Amen, amen. Thank you guys. Awesome. Well, like I said earlier, welcome this morning. And some of you are visiting today, first time here. Some of you have been here. And, and so we'd like to just welcome everybody. We've got a beautiful sunny day. That's pretty nice, Man, it isn't it? It's warm out yeah, there, actually. Is it? I haven't been out. It looks warm. Huh? <laughs> not, not warm, not summertime. Um, well, today, Morty and I are going <coughs> to share a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the Christmas story. And then there's uh, four kind of topics that God has laid on our hearts. And we're going to share about those. And you see those around the room today. And uh, so Morty, I think, is going to kick us off around kind of the, the thought around hope. And uh, we'll kind of jump in and out here. So, Yeah. Um, you know, there are so many things that, that you and I put our hope in. We can hope for a lot of things. Um, we can hope for a certain gift for Christmas this year. We can hope for a spouse. We can hope for a new job. And um, the very fact that we hope at all is because God has created you and I with eternity in mind. He has put or placed eternity in our hearts. And so it's very natural, even in a spiritual way, that you hope, you long for something, you want more. The problem is, you and I tend to look for it in the wrong places. So God wants us to have hope and experience hope. He just doesn't want us to put that hope in anything or anyone else other than him. Right. And the, and the biblical definition of hope is really is that um, confident expectation that God's going to continue to provide for us, right? That's really what it is. The hope that we think a worldly hope is like, wishful thinking, right? We hope for this or we hope mm. for that. How many of us have hoped um, on a number of things and, and still feel empty inside, right? Mm -hmm. How many of us have tried to buy everything there is or drink everything there is or whatever that thing is, right, to, to fill this void in our heart? Does it ever get filled? No. You just feel more empty as you go along. So the biblical hope is exactly that, just the confident expectation that God provided Jesus Christ our Savior, but also all the incredible promises that we can live out while we're here and then join Jesus in heaven. So that's, that's one of the things we want to share about today. And without that hope, um, it's incredibly trying. I mean, you guys know my story. The first 32 years of my life, I didn't know Christ. And so I just, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? It's pretty common sense. But the reality of it is, sometimes when things would come in my life, um, I didn't have an eternal hope. I didn't have anything beyond what I knew that I would be able to provide or do for my own life. And so it's pretty limited. Well, now it's unlimited. Like I just, I mean, I have such confidence in what God has brought me out of and delivered me from that he will continue to do that until the day that I die. And then the awesome thing about that is I go to heaven. Like it's a party, right? It's like this place is nothing compared to heaven. So it's about that hope and expectation of God just continuing to work and move in our lives. So it's so true. You know, my I don't know, my experience of hope, just, just being born again, when you get that right, when you get Jesus right, uh, it's, it's a whole different level of hope. Uh, the, Lori, and, Lori and the kids and I, we're, we're, we're going to be heading out for vacation this afternoon. Where are you guys and, going? And that's, we're going south to Florida. Oh, wow. We're, yeah. Okay. So I don't say that to brag, but I'm, I'm hopeful about that. But here's, here's the difference. Sounds like fun. Before I, I knew Jesus... Advice. If things that I knew were ahead, I would just, there was still with that hope, there was a little bit of worry or doubt or concern that, well, it might not, I won't really believe it until it's here. But once we have Jesus, like 
ultimately, eternal life can start now, and I can have that hope beyond the grave. So the worst thing that can happen, like I said, right. I, I can die. We can miss out on our vacation. But if, if it's because Jesus comes back, uh, then, then I, I get the ultimate vacation. And so there's, this, there's no sense of unrest or, or frustration uh, hardly anymore. Especially I don't experience that when I'm, when I'm connected to this right. God of hope. Now, I get distracted too. Sure. I'm not perfect. I mess up. But, uh, th- I mean, that's the kind of hope that God wants to bring. You know what? Just so much stuff that we think matters in this life really doesn't matter. Um, and it's, it's so freeing to live that way when we have the hope that, that God wants to bring and, us. And most of my frustration comes when I'm not connected. How many of you have gone through a season in your life where you were super connected to God, you're reading your Bible, dialed in, and then you go through this phase where you're not reading as much, you're not as connected, right? Probably all guilty at that at some point in our life. And what usually happens in your life whenever you kind of drift away? You know, the turmoil starts to rise. Things get a little bumpy, get a little rocky, you know. And me, I'm like, man, why is all this happening? And God's like, come on, Josh, you haven't <laughs> talked to me in a week or a month or whatever it is, right? So the more we stay connected with God, the smoother life is. Now, you, now don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that stuff isn't going to come your way because right. it's going to still hit you. That's right. Stuff's still coming. People are mean, right? People, things, <laughs> things happen in our lives. But the way that we deal with them and the, yes. and the ability for us to work through those things with God by our side is absolutely radically different than what it was before I knew Christ. It's just the way it is. And then there's this other piece called sanctification. That's the process of becoming more like Jesus. That's the goal, right? We give our lives to Christ. We want to be a vessel for him to tell the gospel, but to become more like Jesus. And it's almost like everywhere I go, it's like we should have a Jesus sign on our chest because we are a representative of Christ, right? So if Morty and I, let's say we're running around town, saying all kinds of things, gossiping, dropping all kinds of words we shouldn't be dropping, do you think anybody's going to be thinking, oh, that truth and grace, that's a good place to come worship Jesus? <laughs> No, right? So we're representatives as well as everybody here, right? You give your life. And whether or not you come to this church or you have a home church, once you give your life to Christ, you're representing him. But what's right. so cool about it is my life is just continuing to change. Like, I'm young in my faith. You know, I'll be 45 in about a week or so, which is crazy. It's wild to think that I'm 45. Catching but up to the, you're joining the 45 I, club? Yeah, but I won't ever All catch right. you. I'm not going to catch you. You're older than me. Remember that. But my point is, it's just like, you know, the last 13 years of my life are just different. Like, I'm just constantly changing. And uh, it's a cool Amen. thing because you're just, God brings more and more um, out and exposes you to so much more the closer we are in our walk with him. And that kind of goes into the next point around prophecy. And I want to read a couple things to you. So think about, so prophecy, I want to share a couple verses where um, two different um, prophets predicted Jesus' birth 700-ish, 700 to 750 years before his birth. Wild. So think about that just for a minute. Like, think about that. So over 700 years prior to the birth, so now like now we're over 2,700 years, right, prior. Isn't that wild to think yeah. about? We're still talking about the greatest book ever written, right, the mm-hmm. Word of God. Isn't that incredible just to think? Just think about that for a minute. But anyways, my point is, is that um, these prophets said Jesus was coming because it's God's Word. And then I want to give you an analogy that I shared a few weeks back about the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling just eight of the 60 major prophecies that were fulfilled, okay? Yeah, so, so Matthew's going to share two verses that Josh is going to read to you, but these are actually found in the Old Testament right. that were written, like he said, 
700 years prior to this. So let's take a look. So in Matthew 1.23, it look, says, Look, <laughs> the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then in, in Matthew 2.6, it says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Amen? So this was back in the Old Testament times, like Morty said, 700 years beforehand. So eight of the 60 prophecies. What is the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling those, right? So let me tell you. You know how big the state of Texas is. Anybody from Texas here? Anybody from Texas? Anybody been to Texas? Yeah? Okay. It's a big state, right? Let's say that we took half dollars and filled the entire state two feet deep with half dollars, okay? The entire state of Texas, two feet deep. Then you take it, you take one half dollar, you put an X on it, you fly over in a plane and you drop it into Texas, okay? And then you take the whole state and you shake it up, right? Shake it all up. And then you send somebody in there and says, okay, walk through Texas, bend over one time and pick up that half dollar, it's got an X on it. What do you think that likelihood is? <laughs> Pretty low, right? That's what happened. Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. 60, but that's just if he filled eight of them. Okay, so do you think that the prophecies that are yet to come inside of Revelations are going to happen? Absolutely. Right? So isn't that wild to think about? Just Jesus, any man to fulfill just eight of those, that's the likelihood. So you now take that and look at 60. Yeah. Isn't that something? He fulfilled 60. So, pretty incredible. So, when it comes to just realizing how big God is, think about the state of Texas, okay? And thinking about the reality of all the prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled. You know, I think, uh, David, we, we all are, or most of us are pretty familiar with the 23rd Psalm. We hear it read a lot. In the very first verse, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, it's not in there, but therefore what? I shall not want I don't have need for anything else. God hasn't promised me tomorrow. God hasn't promised me a raise. God hasn't promised me a lot of stuff we want in this life. But because I have him, I don't, I don't need all that stuff. But here's the cool thing. A lot of times when our priorities are right and they're found, our hope and trust is found in Christ, he, he blesses us with so many other things also. But that's not where we get our joy or our peace or our love right. or our hope from. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So when we get the promised one right, Jesus was the promised one. We get him. Now we also get all of the promises found in this book um, these 66 books, we have access to all the promises of God because in Christ, they are all yes in him. So many of the things that we want, uh, that we think we want, that we think something else in this world's going to bring us, we're going to be left disappointed. Right. But when we get Jesus right, we get his promises too. And he's promised a lot. Josh, you referenced earlier how do, how do we know his promises? Yeah, I mean, so we were talking in one of the other services today just about how many of us have done that exercise. I remember preparing yes, for a sermon yeah. years ago, and it was like, well, how many promises? What are these promises inside of God's Word? Just 
just do a little research. You'll be blown away at all the promises that God has. And I don't know the number. I don't know if you or Lori know the number off the top of your head. I think it's like 3,000 or more. Yeah, it's incredible. So um, a cool exercise, you know, take a look at the Bible and just even, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, web searches you can do out there, but just even Google God's promises, God's word, and you'll see and be blown away by all the things that God has for you. And And I didn't share this earlier, but I've shared it before is that, you know, like when we go to heaven, imagine all the blessings, right? God wants to bless us abundantly while we're here on this earth, right? And use us to bless other people. So it's, when we go to heaven, here's the analogy. You go to heaven, everybody's got a box, right? This huge warehouse. Imagine walking into this massive warehouse, and there's a white box on every shelf in there, and one of them says Josh Butler on it, right? And so when I pull that box off the shelf, I want that box to be empty, Because those are all the blessings that God had for me on this earth while I was here. I don't want that box to be overflowing and full because that means that I missed out on him while I was here. I wasn't serving him. I wasn't using my gifts, talents, and abilities to help other people. So salvation is one thing, right? That's incredible. But God wants us to live a blessed life while we're here as well. So, And, And just remember, I mean, those blessings, it's just, it goes way above and beyond the the, the worldly materialistic yeah, stuff. stuff. I mean, so many of them are attached to, I mean, look at all these signs around the room. None of them say being rich with money or a bigger house or Xbox. This is all, or, yeah, this is all right? internal stuff that gets you through no matter what you're walking through. Uh, would you rather have a lot of stuff and no love, joy, peace, or hope or have nothing and have all the hope, joy, peace, Absolutely. and love in the world? I mean, it's Absolutely. just not even a comparison. Right. Right. Yet God also gives us the other stuff too at times. Right. But again, let's be let's have our priorities right as far as where we put and place our hope. And then the next point is just God's perfect timing, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do? Like what decision mm-hmm. to make, what job to apply for, who to talk to, right? Is that happen? And Kylie and I were talking last night about just some things like 10 years ago in our life. We were like felt like it was a direction we needed to go, and we were really pushing, we were trying to get this thing to happen, and doors just kept getting shut, and here we are 10 years later, and some of those things are starting to open up, and there's some things happening, and we're like, wow, think about that, you know, 10 years ago, we thought it was the time, well, it wasn't God's time, now, we could have pushed and made that thing happen, but God gave us clear direction to stop, to just pray, And so now some of those things are beginning to happen. So God will move in the time that's right for you and your family, right? That's just the way it is. If it's finding a a spouse, a job, whatever those things are, uh, don't push the envelope. Wait on God, Mm -hmm. okay? So I want to... Just a personal side note. If you don't know what it's like to like not to be unsure of what God wants you to do, just become a pastor. (laughs) That's like your life. Right. And so it forces you to seek him because, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I best, uh, maybe I should be like Solomon and just pray for wisdom, and that always yeah. works out. But if I try to control it or figure it out, whew. Yeah, something that also good. works is ask your wife. She, yeah. That helps me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I'm trying to give Lori some that, props over there, right? <laughs> All right. So, so I'm going to read a scripture here out of Luke 2 6, the Christmas story. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger 
because there was no lodging available for them there. And again, that goes back to, back to God's perfect timing. Yeah. The other thing I just want to kind of throw out this morning is, is something around obedience. And for me in my life, where I feel God moving and working is whenever I'm listening to Him. When I'm obedient to the Spirit of God telling me what I need to be doing, the things in my life are just much, much smoother. Because when I'm not listening, what happens whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we don't listen? What happens usually? Conviction, right? So it's like we need to pull over. Like literally, if you've been passing by somebody and felt a need to stop and help that person or to go to someone's house and have a conversation, has anybody been through that? Probably, right? Well, I call it pulling over. Sometimes we just need to pull over. We need to stop what we're doing and answer that, that, that Holy Spirit saying, Josh, help this person or get involved in this situation. Now, sometimes what I do is just drive on by. Well, what happens when we drive on by, either physically or, or emotionally? What happens? I feel God saying, turn back around, mm -hmm. turn around and go. And believe me, I've, I've shared this, this was years ago, happened to me on DeWitt Avenue. And I was driving along and that happened, it was one of the first times it ever happened to me. I saw a man walking. God immediately put on my heart to stop and see if he needed a ride. I did not stop. This was years ago. Went on by, immediately felt conviction. Pulled in a driveway, turned around, came back, he's gone. Gone. There was no way, like I to this day believe that was Jesus Christ showing himself to me to remind me, Josh, stop. Because, right, the least or the greatest. So stop and help. And since then, every time I pass by somebody, I always think about that. And uh, so anyways, I don't know who that's for this morning, but if there's somebody in your life you need to reach out to and help, I would encourage you to do that. Well, what I love about, I didn't catch this the first two services, what I love about the whole turnaround or pull over turnaround's even better because, I mean, that's literally what it means to repent. Mm -hmm. And how often in Scripture are we commanded to repent? Right. Turn around. You're going the wrong direction. Uh, turn around. You've, you've gotten away from me. And God's always drawing us back. So Absolutely. So to, to, to turn around, to repent, to stop, pull over, listen for God's voice is always the right thing to do. Yep. And sometimes it's hard, right? Like, does God like us to be uncomfortable? Yes, <laughs> he does, like right? He does. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Like, he's, you know, sometimes he'll lay some easy, easy things on our plate, but other mm -hmm. times it's like, okay, Josh, get a little uncomfortable. You know, and I, I said, I don't know if Lou told me this years ago, but ministry can be messy, mm -hmm. okay, right? Helping people can be messy. Am I right or am I wrong? Sometimes right. we get into situations, put ourselves, God's saying, hey, go do this. You get in the middle of the thing and you're like, oh, ah, you know, well, what does that do? It requires us to rely on God to help us get through that situation, yeah. right? If everything was easy, do we need God to help us, right? That's kind of our mentality at times. But jump in the middle of that thing and seek God, and he will continue to move you through it. There's no doubt about it, okay? And, and sometimes, I guess, you, you don't have to always stop. What we have to do is always listen for God. Right. Sometimes right. we might be in a situation where we're trying to fix it, and God's saying, turn around, yeah, Get, you're, you're doing too much here. Just let me work. And so as much as we talk about taking action and turning around yeah. and helping out, we, we can't help everyone with everything. Right. But we should be listening for that voice inside of us. Yeah. And that's the point is listen yes. to the Holy Spirit, you know, because I don't want one of you calling me in a week and be like, OK, so I stopped <laughs> to pick up this guy. I was like, totally. No, he right. said, listen for the spirit. If the spirit says turn around. We turn around. Another thing just about God's perfect time, and again, that, that goes back to this whole point. God's never early, and he's never late. He's always on time. But that's 
his time, not yours, not mine, not your spouse's, not your kids, not your boss's, God's time. And Paul had to remind the Galatian church of this. Uh, I love it. He says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So there was a perfect time when God was just waiting to send Jesus to become a human being. And I don't know why for us that was a couple thousand years ago. We're like into the future from that point. But right where you're at, God loves you so much that specifically he cares about you right where you're at. He knows right where you're at, and he's right on time. The situation you might be, be in today or next week or next year that's what you would call bad or I would call bad or whatever or stressful, it's not freaking God out. And so there's no need for us to be freaked out. God's already been there. We just need to trust him. His timing is perfect. It really is perfect. And here's something else just think about. So some of you may be here, and maybe you're still trying to figure out who God is, or you, know, you hear us talking about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I mean, that was me for the first 32 years of my life, and it's okay. So I just want you to know, if that's you today, it's okay. You're here, right? You're trying to understand what's going on. And my, my encouragement to you would be simply start talking to God. Like, just be like, God, I, I don't know about all this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Help me understand. Help me to figure this out. Put people in my life that can help give me some clarity, right? So I just want you to know, like, it's okay if you're sitting here today and you're just not real, you're, yeah. you're still trying to figure it out. Because believe me, there's many Sundays that I sat in church prior to giving my life to Christ trying to figure it out. And then God spoke to me and he was like, okay, Josh. This is what I've done for you. I love just the simple prayer, God, show me that you're real. Right. I mean, I think if, if, if your heart's really seeking, God's not, he's not offended by that prayer. God, just, I, I know Jeremy and Josh seem to think you're like so real. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just, just throw that up there and, 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 and then keep your eyes open. And the more that you, you spend time with Jesus, and we're getting off on a little tangent here, but it's good. <laughs> the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you, you feel and understand and have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like, look next to you right now. Just look at who's sitting next to you, right? Smile. Smile, no matter what happened this morning. <laughs> I mean, if keys were locked in the car, whatever, I don't know. Some situations could have happened this morning, whatever. But anyway, like, right, you have a personal relationship with him, right? Well, how does that relationship grow? You spend time together, right? Same with Jesus. Mm-hmm. If we want to be closer with Jesus, we got to spend time with him. Because if we expect a relationship to grow closer together, we're not spending time with those that are sitting next to us or Jesus, is that going to happen? No. What happens when you sit in your home and you don't talk to the people in your home? Believe me, I know. I went through a divorce. What happens? You grow apart, right? So if you're in your, if you're in your home and you're not talking to each other, start talking. Okay? I'm not saying you're going to go through a divorce, but I'm just saying it creates some, some issues. No different than Jesus. If you want to be close to Jesus, spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next uh, topic is humility. And I want you to kind of think about the Christmas story and where, where was Jesus born? Where was he born? Right, a manger, right? Was there probably sheep and cow poop and all <laughs> kinds of smells and dirty and bugs and spiders and all kinds of stuff going on there? Yeah, I'd say so. Was it the Marriott or the Hilton or some all-inclusive beach resort? No. I don't think so. Right? Did he come in a pretty humble way? Absolutely. Does that help us relate to him? Absolutely. Right? He was born to a poor family that worked hard, raised him up. He was a carpenter, earned his own way, right? So think about that. 
we can relate to Jesus. He can relate to us because he wasn't in some, some chariot on a mountaintop mansion, right? So he came into this world humble, and he left this world humble, right? Given his life for each one of us because of our sins. So think about that. I just want you to understand that Jesus loves you right where you are. I, I, you know, some people think like, well, I got to get, I got to quit smoking. I got to quit drinking. I got to do this. I got to start reading my Bible. I got to know the whole Bible front to back before I can go to church. Eh. Yeah. Right? It's just not, it's not the way. God loves you just the way you are. And he wants you to come into his family. Right? Now, he loves you too much to leave you that way. Because we talked about sanctification earlier, right? And that's that process of becoming more like Christ. So I just want you to know that, think about the humility inside of what we do. Um, I shared this story earlier around um, something I, I just have to continually remind myself to, to be humble and to um, look at God's blessings in my life that way. And, and some of you know I work at a dealership and I'm blessed to have a vehicle to drive. And on my plates, every dealer plate, if you notice, it's got a letter behind the number. So if you ever want to know, lesson learned, the number identifies the dealer. And then the letter usually identifies who's driving the vehicle inside of our, our company. Mine is a Z. And I picked a Z. So every single time I walk to my car, I think about God. And the reason is, is because to stay humble. The last letter in the alphabet is Z, correct? Mm -hmm. I, think I'm, mm -hmm. I think that's right. <laughs> right? So it's my way... Of God, just in, in my mind, you guys know me. Some of you know me well enough now. My mind's really odd. It's really weird. But that's how God speaks to me just about every morning. I walk around the back of my vehicle and look. So if you need something in your life just to remind you um, and stay humble and how humble Jesus was coming into this world, then, then I'd suggest you do something like that. Okay? I mean, it, it really is perfect. You know, so many times we live our lives and... We want others to notice us. We want others to exalt us. We want to look like we're really successful and have it all together. And sometimes we even self-promote and self-exalt. But the Bible says we don't have to worry about all of that. Our first move should just be one of humility. Okay, okay, God, I know I, I smoke, I cuss, I drink, whatever. I got some issues, but, and, and I don't have it all figured out, but, but God, I just, I just need your help. That, that step right there, when we humble ourselves, what does the Bible say God does for us? When you and I humble ourselves, the Bible says he exalts us. He lifts us up. When we try to seek exaltation from another source outside of God, what does the Bible say? God humbles us. So, so you're going to be resisted. You're going to be turned away. He gives grace to the humble, and he resists the proud. And so when you and I humble ourselves before God, he, he lifts us up. He exalts us. And that feels good, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of have a choice. Am I going to seek that from someone or something else outside of God? Or, I am, or am I going to seek to be exalted from the one who created me? And if that's the case, if that's what you want, then humble yourself before him, admit who you are before him, and watch him turn your life around. Amen. Just, a, just kind of a side note, because we've mentioned it a couple times today, um, and I share this just, just to be really transparent with you. The reason I use drinking and, and drugs and, mm -hmm. and uh, smoking and, and addiction and all that as, as examples, that's, how, that's what I've gone, that, those are the things that God has helped me overcome. Mm -hmm. So I say that just for clarity. 
we don't say that to convict you or bring conviction upon you for anything that you do. That's between you and God, right? I mean, it's what may be a sin for me may not be a sin for you, right? So just know that. Whenever you have a personal relationship with Christ, whatever that is, like he will, he will bring it upon you, right? For me, the first thing he took was my mouth, right? I just said all kinds of creative words, right? That was something he put oh, on. That's what we're calling them now, it, creative well, words. Well, yeah, I think so. But my point is I just don't want you sitting out there thinking, oh, man, they keep saying, what? Yeah. You just, like, whatever God's got on your heart, it may be totally different. There may be things that you struggle with that I don't and vice versa. Amen. So that's just right. know that. Yep. Once you have a relationship with Christ, he'll begin to work those things out inside of you. And th- believe me. There's no doubt. I'll tell you how I quit smoking. I tried many, many times to quit. Um, it's whenever we moved uh, to our house now. So 2012, Kylie and I were divorced. We had gotten remarried. We're back together. And I smoked for 20 years off and on. I was a closet smoker. The only time I smoked was not literally in the closet, but <laughs> hiding from people or, or drunk at a bar. That's just what I did. And so anyways, Mia was uh, 10 years old at the time. And we had two labs. And uh, every night I'd take him out back and let him go to the bathroom. And I always told her to stay inside. And uh, you're amazing how smart 10-year-olds are, right? And uh, she's like, well, I'm going with you. <laughs> I said, no, babe, it's cold out there. I'm, I'll, I'll take him out. You just stay inside with your mom. Nope. So here she comes. <laughs> and uh, later on, it, God convicted me that she'd been smelling smoke on me for a long, long time. Hmm. And I'd been hiding it. And I literally drove to events. Um, I, I did think I, I would literally drive my own vehicle an hour away to a, an event just so I could smoke or have booze in the car or what you know I'm just telling you I'm being real you guys know me that's how I am but I'm just saying God will bring conviction on you right and so my daughter Mia is the one who God used to say Josh you're done smoking and so I praise him for that so anyways it's a whole nother you know sermon no, but just that's to share. perfect so again you you were forced into, in a sense, into humility, yeah. and you changed your ways. And, yeah. and again, going back to what Scripture says, God gives grace to the humble, that kind of leads right into our next point, and it's this, this whole idea of, of God's grace, of His gift of grace. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. The life that Jesus gave costed Him His everything, costed you and I nothing. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I love that. God's riches at Christ's expense, not your own. And it's absolutely unmerited that that love, he he didn't have to do that for us, right? Didn't. Absolute, pure, unconditional love. How many of us have made decisions at times that aren't quite conditioned? Well, let's say, let's put it this way. They are conditioned based on what someone else is doing. I mean, mm-hmm. that, huh? Mm-hmm. Slamming the door when you walk out on your way to work, maybe not smiling, you know, right? Like God, you know, those things happen. Maybe I'm the only <laughs> one, but right? So God's not that way. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we're doing, or what we will do. It's absolutely unconditional, the love that he has for us. So, Amen. Josh, okay. you, you talked a little bit about Christmas gifts and stuff. And yeah. Throw that out there. Yeah, so just thinking about it, you know, Christmas is coming, and, and um, uh, let's, let's put it this way. Kiddos, right? You got a Christmas lift list? Kids, you got Christmas lifts? Man, bleh. Lifts? You got some lifts got ordered? Christmas I don't lift. know what lifts are. Maybe they're shoes, right? But we, we, we have these gifts. Um, let me ask you this. Parents, would you be giving any gifts to your kids 
if the qualification for those gifts were for them to be perfect? Would, would they be getting any gifts? Huh? Would they? No. Look at the, yeah, the moms and dads are like, uh-uh, no gifts, right? Do you think there'd be some toy factories, you know, go out of business? I would say probably so. So think about that with God, is that's God, His, we, there's no way we can be perfect, but He blessed us with this free gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do to earn that. But he's always there to provide guidance and direction for us. So this year, whenever you open that Christmas gift up, just think about that. Are you opening the gift up, and are you taking everything out of the, the, the box? And the other analogy I gave is, you know, we, we talk about this free gift of salvation. How many of you open a present up, and you just take part of the gift out of the box? So how many of you are like gamers? You got like... Xboxes and all that, PS4, 10s, 12s, I know what they are. <laughs> like some, some of you, right? So are you just going to take the controller out and leave the main system in the box? Are you going to have much fun with the controller? Is the whole thing going to work together? No, if you don't plug it in, right? So just think about God. Whenever we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We accept that free gift of salvation. But is that all God wants us to take out of the box? Absolutely not. He wants us to experience his full love and grace and mercy and all the fruits of the spirits and the things that you see hanging up today around hope and joy and peace and love. So remember that. He wants you to experience the, the full gift of Jesus Christ, not just salvation. So I just, just, just a question I've, I've asked all the other services. What is it, if there's something, what is it that is holding you back from fully receiving God's free gift of salvation, opening up that present for all it has to offer. Because there are a lot of people going to church today, on this day, and they're hearing about God's grace. They're hearing about His gifts of salvation. And a lot of people are sitting in church thinking, yeah, I've got it. I'm a good person. If I were to die, um, I... God wouldn't send a good person to hell. But again, that goes back to relying upon your merited favor. And when God's grace is unmerited. So if you're thinking you're good enough to gain heaven, that right there makes you disqualified because none of us are perfect. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life for us. So what is holding you back? If you're putting your, your trust in any other source, it's not sustainable. It's not good enough. Amen. And that next step is really our next point, and that's taking action. You know, God, we talked about it before. How many times has God put something on our heart, and we don't do anything with it, right? Pulling over, turning around, whatever it is. So praise and worship as you guys come up and we close. Um, just I want everybody to be thinking about it. What is that action that you need to take? Are you in a place where you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit? And that's okay. Then maybe your action is simply start talking to God, right? And, and here's the other thing. You don't have to be on your knees, eyes closed, praying, right? You can be in your car. You can be on a football field. You can be wherever it is talking to God. So just do that. Begin to ask God, reveal yourself to me in a real way. And maybe you're in a place this morning where you're, um, you've given your life to Christ and you've left some stuff in the box, right? And Jesus wants you to experience him and his fullness. So why don't we all stand and we're going to worship and praise this morning. And uh, 
just talking about telling the gospel, sharing the good news with those around us. Because I'm sure that each and every one of us probably have somebody in our lives that we could tell about Jesus. Would you agree? So I'm going to pray with you. We're going to sing this song, and uh, then you guys will be dismissed. So let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you so much for your blessings. God, we thank you for this, this holiday season, Christmas. We, we pray, God, that you would just continue to remind us why we celebrate, and that's for the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So God, as Christmas Day comes, we pray that you would just bring the, the families together, God. Help them to grab each other's hands and say a prayer of thanksgiving to you for providing your Son. God, we thank you so much for all the blessings you've, you have and will continue to pour down on us as individuals, this body of believers, and Truth and Grace Fellowship, God. We pray that you would just continue to guide and lead and direct us, God, and pray for your Holy Spirit to speak with us each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.